Hello and welcome to another episode of How Are You Holding Up? A mental health podcast by the depressed for the depressed. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Chris. And the first thing I want to ask is, Chris, how are you holding up? Uh, I'm still here. <laughs> uh, I'm still still kicking, still doing my do. Um, I've kind of kept to myself a lot this week. Um, haven't been going out and being social nearly as much as usual, though I had one night where I went out and was way too social, and that was kind of draining. Um, I saw my psychiatrist yesterday after I saw my therapist on Tuesday. My therapist on Tuesday more or less said, uh, yeah, you need to talk to your psychiatrist about this, about this darkness that you are experiencing and this this deep level of depression, because this does not sound like something that is necessarily treatable through talk therapy. I was like, cool, thanks. So then I talked to my psychiatrist. I let him know everything that's been going on. I let him know the state that I have been in. And uh, we are going to try an SNRI, which is a serotonin uh, neuroneper- neuroepinephrine uh, reuptake inhibitor. So that will be a different direction, as well as doing the Adderall and the Wellbutrin continuing. The combination of all of the above should be enough to maybe kickstart at least some things, but now I need to be extra vigilant because I could develop high blood pressure from this combination of medications. So that's cool. (laughs) Lindsay, how are you holding up? Uh, Well, uh, last week we talked about... Um, that both of us were going down a little bit of a depression tunnel, one of us more than other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, I'm doing pretty good. I am trying to, I'm fighting to uh, reach out to people when I don't feel like reaching out and um, trying to sleep because I, I tend to when I start feeling the, de- the depression coming is like my sleep gets weird and my mm-hmm. eating gets weird and I don't respond to people as quickly. I'm not as, um, I don't know, I want to say high functioning or normally functioning. <laughs> so, um, but today is a good day. I, I feel guilty because um, my partner and I, Um, We went out and got a coffee and sat in the sunshine and it's beautiful. It's like there's snow on the mountains and um, (laughs) the sun is shining and there's a breeze. Um, We went for a drive and kind of explored the area a little bit. And I played with my dog and he made me, my boyfriend made me breakfast. And it was, a, it's, you know, and he's like, wow, this is such a good day. Like, aren't you happy? Isn't this a great day? And I was just like, yes. And I realized I'm like, but I don't really feel much like I can tell that I'm not sad and I can tell that it is there are things that are nice you know I'm having moments Mm -hmm. of like oh this is nice but it's not the full like oh my god this is so relaxing I'm having such a good time um Mm. which I have experienced so that's how I know I am currently not normal headspace um yeah yeah but so today we thought we would talk about 
neurology and depression and kind of first summarize what we have discovered um, or at least not discovered, but what we've kind of collected over the year and mm-hmm. a half, a year? Year and a half, yeah, give or take. Half of our podcast. Uh, and then also we've done a little bit more research very recently on what's happening in neuroscience with depression. Because for me, as somebody who is sensitive and um, slightly codependent, all I want to do is fix Chris. <laughs> and uh, just get him out of the headspace and just wrap him up and take him somewhere and and fix and talk it out and and feed him out of it and socialize him out of it. And I can't. I can't fix it. Um, nope. We have an episode on like how to be there for somebody who is, you know, going through depression. And so I feel like I'm at least doing something when – I research because that it helps is indeed. <laughs> yeah, no, that is indeed doing something nice. It is doing something kind and completely and totally like I did not expect it because the depression basically uh, forces me in a way to declare myself not worthy of any sort of attention of that sort. Yes. Um. And so that's, uh, it is nice. It is something that is, it is at least, it is a nice kind of thing to have. I know I'm saying nice a lot. Uh, uh, It is, it is, it is, it's something that uh, we kind of take for granted when we don't know that it's there, just that other people do care and they do want to see you out of that headspace. Yeah. But you you can only do so much yeah so something that is across the board now finally being discussed about depression because it didn't used to be depression i think used to be characterized as like sadness and kind of loss of interest in things and that was basically it there's not like a lot of stuff shown or there didn't used to be rather even like five years ago Mm -hmm. um Mm-hmm. about depression. So the first thing I want to talk about uh, is the lack of ability to connect to other people. When you are depressed, you're so inward, you're so focused on the inside, um, which we'll discuss later about why that's happening. You can't connect to anybody around you, even if they're trying to connect with you. And it's like you're inside of a muffle. Well, you describe it, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, it is... Uh very akin to being in a uh, a very echoey cave um, where somebody could be saying something and I'll hear it, but it's going to reverberate in my head to the point where it just kind of comes out muffled and I don't actually absorb what's being said. Um, it's, it's very, uh, very difficult to focus on someone when they're speaking to you. Mm-hmm. And you do kind of just have a a far away, far off look at times. Yeah. Uh, the next thing I would say would be a decrease in drive and motivation. So that can look like sex drive, like you just lose any interest. Or even just getting the motivation to get yourself into the bathroom to brush your teeth at night. You know, that kind of small thing. Um, 
it just becomes difficult and everything feels like a chore. Yeah, 100%. Uh, that is something that has been uh, very difficult for me this week. Uh, I have not shaved in uh, much longer than I would care to admit. And I am not somebody who grows facial hair gracefully. So I have horrible, patchy, mustache, beard-esque thing going on. But because of the whole, you know, not growing facial hair thing, I just look uh, a mess. And my hair is a mess. And I shower a few times a week as opposed to, like, every day. And the brushing of teeth has also been a problem lately, uh, despite getting a whole new toothbrush that yells at me when I don't brush my teeth. <laughs> um, it's it's it all kind of it compiles and it makes it much more difficult when you're trying so hard to focus on getting better but you're also trying to focus on being a productive member of society when you are at work or say, if you don't work, you're trying to just keep your house clean or keep your room clean or keep your car, car clean, you know, whatever <laughs> it is that you struggle with keeping maintained. It's. Uh... And it is interesting for me when I am not, I mean, I think this is, well, no, this isn't like interesting and new, but when things start getting messier and messier and messier, you don't really see it at first. Like you mm -hmm. don't really notice it. And then sometimes we'll have this like brief moment where you look around you. For me, it usually comes when there's like somebody else who wants to sit in my car yep. or wants to come over. And then I'm like, actually look at the space. I'm like, oh my God, what, <laughs> what happened? What have I done? <laughs> and then it's just like, I'm sorry, my car is a mess as I like push piles of stuff on the other end. Um, <laughs> I, my usual thing is just throw it over the back seat. Uh, I'll yeah. deal with it later. <laughs> it's in the trunk. Nobody will notice if it's in the trunk. <laughs> exactly. And uh, I, I think it's like, un and also it's underrated when you're depressed in high school or in college or even middle school, like this horrible, like you have to get up and you haven't gotten enough sleep and you're thrust into this extremely high, emotionally vulnerable state of being surrounded by other teenagers who are also monsters. And you're trying to learn while in the hallway getting bullied or you're like supposed to learn about, you know, some historical event and remember the, the dates while you can barely remember to put two matching socks on. Um, <laughs> it's something that we like I have it's it's been so long since I've been in school but like remembering what that's like it's there's a lot of respect I have for all of us who are depressed and who are continuing to attempt to try and function and trying not to self-harm um and working really hard at growing and, and getting out of it because it is so hard um yes I think the next thing that we kind of learned, and I learned this, and I thought this was really interesting when you're depressed, is the communication and concentration you have is just affected. You can't talk as well. You won't speak as well. You won't remember like you were talking about. Maybe someone sits there and talks to you about something, and you're sitting there, and you're hearing them. And you just can't retain the information. It's not like you're even bored or you don't want to be there. It's like you just can't retain it. Mm -hmm. 
And it's it's so frustrating, and that I think goes back to not being able to connect to somebody. It's like, well, if you if they feel like you're not listening or you're bored, they're going to also stop reaching out. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, um, I had attempted to date a couple times in the last year or so, mm-hmm. and uh, both times that I thought things were kind of going well, there was a eventual disconnect because I was unable to really focus and give them the communication that they deserved. Yeah. I was very far and drawn away and I still like <laughs> the only reason really uh, that I'm able to keep any sort of cohesion is because I'm focusing all of my attention on doing so. Like that th- forget anything else that's going on right now there's there's literally nothing else like for example recording this podcast Mm -hmm. i am staring at the microphone more or less reminding myself that i am doing a podcast i i need to be present and i need to be listening and i need to be responsive and not just kind of flow endlessly about nothing I'm, it's I'm interesting. So I know you guys don't know Chris personally, and most of you. I've known Chris since middle school. And Chris and I met through improv comedy class. Yes. And so he has always been someone who's very bright, very quick, very funny, um, charismatic, loud, sociable, will bring you right in, tell you a story, get the whole room <laughs> laughing. That's just kind of Chris's personality. So the other day, it was this kind of interesting moment for me. I was in, uh, we were at work and I was in the office and Chris was there. He was working on some stuff and one of our bosses comes over and he's kind of talking to the room and then he looks over at Chris and he just kind of looks at him and he's like, why are you so sad, man? <laughs> and Chris, I think normally he would have like said something kind of funny or sharp and he just kind of looked at him and like you just mumbled something incoherently and then went back to what you were doing. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> it wasn't even words. I don't know what you said. Like your face didn't really move. It like took you a minute to like intake. I saw you intaking the information. I saw the wheels turning as you were looking at him. I saw you think I should say something now. And then like it didn't really happen. <laughs> Uh yeah, and and the funny thing is, I I I I think back on that moment, and I can remember that moment. Um, and I I know I said something. I know in my mind I said something <laughs> coherent, but I cannot for the life of me tell you what it was or anything. Like my my days lately have just been devolving into. Well, that day's done. Uh, should I keep that in the long-term memory? No? Okay. Throw it in the fire then. <laughs> Delete. Delete. The The hard drive is full. It is It is currently full to the brim with, <laughs> uh, I don't know, the fucking address of Stick Stickly, for fuck's sake. I don't... I, I, the amount of useless garbage <laughs> that is occupying my brain right now, it is phenomenal. I like the fact that for a long time people thought well if you're able to laugh and interact and do stuff then you're not depressed you can think your way out of it mm-hmm. and um that's uh no when you're very sad 
and you have something that very like ha- the difference between depression and sadness to me is when you're really sad, you're you you know what happened. You know what happened that made you sad, and sometimes you're crying or you just feel it strongly and you can sit and you can talk with somebody about it and like they can empathize and you can connect on how sad this thing is. And you can kind of, you know, get out of it after a day, two, a week, whatever, depending on obviously how bad it was. Um, but depression, you don't really necessarily know why suddenly you're depressed. You're just yeah. suddenly – and it's kind of a creeping thing where like suddenly – and you don't really feel stuff and you kind of keep doing stuff. But it becomes harder and harder and you're like, wow, this is me. This is my fault. And then, you know, the self-loathing. So – Moving into the interesting TED Talks that we will probably link below, mm-hmm. or rather just one, um, about the neurology of depression. And this kind of stuff is fascinating to me because that means that there is hope on the horizon, even if we can't see it, because people are researching and studying treatments and working with um, depression in a way that's never been seen before. Yes. Yeah. And so they used to think that it depression was basically a lack of serotonin or just you're not creating enough serotonin. Um, and so that's why – and this is going to be super basic. I am not a scientist. I am not a medical health professional. I'm just going to like really Neither simplify this because I won't remember it otherwise. Um, so serotonin uh, – the the medication that was created was an SSRI or an SRI Mm -hmm. rather, the serotonin reuptake inhibitor, which basically makes it so that there's more serotonin hanging around in your brain. Um, So Mm -hmm. if serotonin was the main issue, uh, then SRIs would fix everybody. And we know that that doesn't happen because, uh, yeah. Well, Chris, wasn't S? What was it, SNRI? It's a S- there's SSRIs, SNRIs, and then there are like atypical uh, antidepressants. Mm-hmm. The um, they're the three different chemicals in the brain that are responsible for our happiness and our drive are basically mm-hmm. serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine. Mm-hmm. Now, Welbutrin, as I am on, is more of a dopamine boost. It is kind of a as well as norepinephrine, uh, whereas the effects orb that I'm about to go on is serotonin and norepinephrine. So um, they're all responsible in different ways for the brain chemistry, mm-hmm. and they all have with them, of course, their own varying degrees of side effects and whatnot. So depending on your personal case, <laughs> uh, certain things may work, certain things may not work. There are different brands. There are different types. They each do different things. And I know how frustrating it can be when you are like, I'm really depressed. I'm finally at a place where I want to get on medication. You figure out the right medication, You, um, which is in and of itself such a process, like finding your yeah. uh, doctor and talking about it. Anyway, so you start it. You have to like adjust to it, then you're on it, and then it doesn't work or it stops working. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's akin to when someone says, if you go to college and uh, you graduate, then you'll come up with a job. And then that didn't <laughs> happen for a lot of people. And that's how it felt like when I was trying depression meds and it just didn't work. Yeah, no, like, for sure. to. <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous <laughs> how much we go through just to try and get that kind of uh, – 
like consistency. Yeah. So depression is complicated because there's also an estimated five other neurotransmitters responsible besides serotonin. Mm-hmm. Um, they've also found that the structure of your brain can be an influence. Genes play a role. The environment <laughs> that you're in currently and how you were as a child uh, plays a role. Mm-hmm. And there can be different size parts of your brain um, that are not a normal size. So um, the place where your memories are stored can be smaller. And that's why they say that taking certain medication can actually grow certain parts of your brain and the connections. And that's why it can take so long, like six months to a year, um, because things are actually growing in your little brain. Which Um, is crazy to think about also, because, I mean, again, you and I also did theater together. mm. We were able to memorize more or less entire plays. Yeah. And both of us suffer from not the best memories. Terrible memory. Terrible. I have a really, like, it's actually... I think I need to go back to the doctor because I can like sometimes not remember the next the day before, you know. I, yeah, I don't no, remember that's, what I did. That's exactly where I'm at. I can barely remember where I what I did yesterday and if I do then hooray, I focus long enough to kind of conjure that from the ether. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this TED talk was so cool for me because she was showing us brain scans before or with a the help healthy, like atypical brain versus somebody who has depression. And what they discovered is when a person classified as healthy is asked to, or especially this event happened recently, to to think about the process um, and process the death of a loved one. So that really painful, horrible feelings. What happened in the brain was that the parts of the brain that are associated with thinking, planning, physically moving they all shut down it's like a toggle and every and your thought goes inward and uh they basically go offline and as they healed from the pain you could actually watch the centers light back up because there's a natural sort of you know when you're dealing with something difficult you really need to to turn inward and then as things get better and time heals all situation you're able to focus again clean up that messy room that you were crying in <laughs> and move forward so uh, it's natural and the question then happened is what happens when you can't turn that back on what happens when you're stuck in that place where you can't connect with other people because you're dealing with this feeling of mourning and disconnect and they realized that's what's happening with a lot with people with depression. They weren't able to toggle. Yeah. So but- what happens in science and medication when there's no alternative? They were they interviewed somebody with depression who was basically who had done everything. He had done meds, exercise, electrotherapy, and he just felt nothing. He was 36. Uh, he'd had depression for years and years and years, and he wasn't able to he had, you know, gone in, come out, gone into depression, gone out. And this time it had been a couple of years he hadn't been able to get out. And he was going to therapist. He had a psychologist. Um, and so they started to figure out and research new treatments. And they did this really interesting thing where I think it was about like 14 years ago now with patients um, – who, oh shoot, I can't think of the name, with not Alzheimer's, but when they're shaking and they can't. Parkinson's? Parkinson's. They were able to put implants in their brain and basically map the brain and then put a, a implant to turn off that thing that was making it uh, not function normally. 
Um, again, not a scientist, so I am not describing this beautifully, but they're like, we need to be able to do this with depression because mm-hmm. when there's no hope, when there's you know nothing for these people and nothing is working, there's got to be another way. And so they they did the same thing. They got a group of people and they started testing it. Well, it kind of freaks me out. Those were like they put a hole into your brain and they put wires into your brain and you are yeah. awake. And then they ask you questions while they turn switches on and off. Yep. You do have to be awake for any sort of brain surgery. That is the crazy thing. Oh, it's so crazy to me. Um, so they did this with a bunch of people, brave, brave people. And <laughs> – Immediately, well, no, 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 not immediately. It took a couple of times to turn on. It's a very low magnetic, uh, not magnetic, rather uh, electric shock, very low. And after about the third time, people would say stuff like, I feel lighter. I feel like cleaning my office. Mm-hmm. I feel connected. They started talking about being suddenly pulled out of the void, suddenly being able to connect to the people in the room around them. And I think this kind of stuff is so critical to discuss in day-to-day conversations because for a long time, depression was just not, was something that you shouldn't even talk about, was like so embarrassing and there's a fault in you. Like how messed up is it? There has to be something wrong with your brain where you are suffering, you're suffering and you're in pain and you're disconnected and then you blame yourself and you hate yourself for it. Like (laughs) that's, there's kind of, your brain is obviously not functioning on a normal place. Um, yeah. And it's nothing you've done. No, you didn't do anything. There's like this weird guilt and this frustration. So, um, being able to discuss this stuff and staying on top of like, what are they researching? What are they finding? Um, it can also, I think, at least for me, make me feel like this is not just something I feel. This is not just like a chemical imbalance. There are so many factors that play into this and there's so many people trying to help. And we're not alone. And someday, I think that we will be able to have multiple ways of going about treating it and that are helpful. Yeah. Um, At the current moment, the physical kind of treatments for depression are limited to things like exercise and standard antidepressant medication, uh, CBT. Uh, There's... There's also work being done now on like uh what was it psilocybin the magic mushrooms mm-hmm. there's 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 work that's being done that's been saying that low doses of the hallucinogen basically reset the brain chemistry uh in a like strictly clinical sense you can't just like do mushrooms and suddenly everything's <laughs> fine but um. Between that, then there's also the whole new wave of ketamine treatments, which is mm-hmm. kind of new, but not new. It's also super scary in its own way. And I think that's the problem in the early treatments is a lot of things are scary. Like electroshock mm-hmm. came out forever ago. Yeah. And at first, terrifying. Not well done. It's coming to a point now where elect- when you say electroshock therapy, I still go, oh, what? You did what? <laughs> but it's not that. It's very low dose, isn't it? It's not as yeah, scary as the implants in your brain. <laughs> it's it's not one flew over the cuckoo's nest where suddenly you are a vegetable that can barely like yeah. clean up after themselves. Yeah. But the thing is, if you're if you have a friend, a loved one, 
um, even just a coworker that you're not super close to and they're dealing with depression and they're able to talk about it, I think that is so great. And I think the, the more you can communicate and just be there for somebody and not try to fix them um, yeah. and not tell them that they're not depressed and <laughs> that you can think your way out of it because you can't. And all of us are unique in our depression. Isn't that nice? We all have uh, different reasons why we're depressed, how depression kind of shows up and how other people see us while we are in a depressed cycle. Yep, that is 100% accurate. <laughs> um, what works for us may not work for you, but we certainly hope that even just hearing other people discuss what they are going through can maybe give you at least a little direction in the roadmap of your own recoveries, or the people in your lives' recoveries. Yes. Yeah, but... We shall see. Um, it's supposed to take about a week or two for my new medication to truly kick in. Mm -hmm. So we will see results uh, probably starting tomorrow. Uh, as far as like, uh, I will be taking starting to take it tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, there will be the placebo effect at first. And then from there, uh, maybe the actual medicine will kick in. Who knows? Fingers Who crossed, knows? though. We also have an exciting announcement. We are going to be having a special guest next week, correct? Yes, I believe we are planning on having a special guest next week. So stay tuned for that. This will be a very interesting episode, I think. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening today. Um, hopefully you gleaned some fun information. We will have the link below in the description. Yes. As for us, follow us on Instagram at Hey Who Podcast. Like our Facebook page, subscribe to the subreddit. If you want to support us directly, visit our Patreon. Or if you want to send us something directly, go ahead and email mailbag at howareyouholdingup.com. And as always, don't, don't tell, tell us to, to just, just get, get over it. it.